2: This is the Starship Sover. Everybody welcome. Hello and welcome to show 533. I am your host, Tony C Smith. Hello everyone. I hope everyone is fine and dandy. We have for show 533, Ian Creasy. Yes. Very proud to have Ian Creasy back on the show. He is a great contributor to the Starship Sover. Just amazing. And... We have the narrator, is Matt Dovey. Now Matt, poor Matt, caused loads of controversy last time with he's, he's. I thought it was just a fantastic narration, but there was a few, few Americans. It must be said, wh- wh- wasn't, didn't get it, didn't couldn't understand them. <laughs> Normally that's it's me, you know. What I mean? Normally it's, when I'm talking, we and talking a little bit. Sometimes I speed up and speed down, but it, it was Matt's turn this time, and there was a few Americans. Just couldn't understand you, Matt. (laughs) And for me, it's like, so, you know what I mean? Just natural. Natural. Right. So, that is all that's coming in today's show, is that one main fish. But, wow, what a story. What a story it is. Before that, yes, we have Patreon there. We're ever climbing closer, grinding away to that 500 mark there. And we are up now to 407. Yes, a huge thank you. Honestly, big thank you there. I'm going to go in little tiny steps now. If we can get to 410, that's a little milestone over. That would just be fantastic. So I just want to say a big thank you. Here we go. Drum roll, please. Levi Ergot, is that right? Levi, <laughs> Levi, oh, Ergot, no, Ergot. Levi, thank you so honestly. Thank you so much. Have I, have I butchered it? Have I? And. <laughs> And Ms. Jamie Jamie Mercia Mercia that's isn't it. That's simple man that one hey, Jamie. When you can do better Mercia it's got to be James ah, thank you so much honestly big thank you and you know like I say do without the adverts you get the adverts here. Yeah, do without them it's two dollars a month man I've just found that there was there was a pound coin lying on the floor as I walked into my house do you know what I mean two of them a month That's all it takes to look after her. That's all it takes. If you want to get the other little things, little treats, there is, you know, they're there as well. We have finished The Silent Invaders. So if you came in on the $5 mark, you'd get the whole book for that narrated by Tom Pipkin. And I'm on to, I think I mentioned it last week, The Red Dwarfs as well. I'm on to season two. I think it's around about five or six there as well. I've just finished Queeg, which was, well, you know what I mean. You'd have to listen to it anyways. Support me if you can, that would be fantastic. So the main fiction, like I say, I'm harping on about Ian Christie. He is, he's just a fantastic writer. Originally appeared in Asimov's fiction in June 2014... Ian Chrissy lives in Yorkshire, England. He has published 70-odd short stories, several of which have been previously published for Starship Sova, or podcasted, should I say, for Starship Sova. His last appearance on the sofa was The Order of Sanctity, which was episode 514 in December 2017. And like I say, this story, <laughs> Matt stepped up again. Stepped up, Matt. It's a bit like, you know, the Blues Brothers, had cage where they're playing r- rip, Rawhide, is it? You know, on the Fluesblast film. Matt stood up there in the cage there. <laughs> Matt, I'm joking, lad. Listen, that's a fine voice you've got. Matt is a very tall and very English, and most likely drinking a cup of tea right now. He has his scar on his arm that he can't remember getting, but a terrible darkness floods his mind when he considers it. He now lives in the quiet market town of rural England with his wife and three children. And despite being a writer, he still hasn't found the right words to properly express the delight and joy he finds in this wonderful arrangement. His surname rhymes with Dwarf, but any other similarities to the Dwarf are purely coincidental. Coincidental. He is the Golden Pen winner of the Writers of the Future, Volume 3, 2 in 2016, and shortlisted for the James White Award in 2016 as well. And he is fiction out and forthcoming all over the place. And Matt's left his link there for his site as well, so... Matt, hey, I didn't, you know what I mean? You, you, I've actually forgot, you know, you were a kind of golden pen, what were there for writers of future? Man, what, hey, chops on you there, lad, eh? eh? <laughs> so, the Starship Sova is very proud to present.
0: Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need a fast?
2: Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com.
1: Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. By Ian Creasy. As we waited for customers, I stared out of the showroom window into the garden full of celebrities sprouting from the soil. This early in spring, most of the plants hadn't yet reached resemblance. The flower buds were tiny blank faces, gradually developing features. Only the cyclamen, Harriet's self portrait, was in full bloom. Their pink flowers smiled in the sun, looking cheerier than Harriet had for some time. A pioneer in pomonics she had created all this floral art. But at the height of a recession, few people had money to spare on customised flowers. Most of our visitors came to complain about something. Look at that, said Lorraine Shuster, weeding a large pot plant into the showroom. Ah, yes, your mother, I beamed heartily. Splendid foliage. Look, she repeated, this isn't good enough, Travis. I bent down to inspect the plant. As I approached the blooms, I got a strong whiff of Chanel No. 5, Mrs. Shuster's favourite perfume in life. No problem there. I peered at the flower heads, and tried to remember Mrs. Shuster's appearance from the photographs provided last year. The match seemed close enough, within the limits of horticultural portraiture. What seems to be the problem? I asked. What? Lorraine exclaimed. Can't you see them? Tiny brown specks disfigured several of the papery faces. I see them, I said. "'Weren't they there originally?' "'They certainly were not!' "'I glanced at Harriet, "'hoping she would come and help me out, "'but she stared at a screen full of genetic schematics, "'showing no sign of having heard anyone arrive. "'I'd found it hard enough "'persuading her to even sit here during showroom hours, "'and now I wondered why I bothered. "'She showed less and less interest "'in the clients who financed her art. "'Troublesome customers "'were my domain as her business manager. "'As politely as I could,' I asked Lorraine, have you been spraying regularly? How should I know, she said waspishly. My housekeeper looks after them. I took some Vita-Pom from the shelf. Then tell the housekeeper to spray against bugs and viruses. As you're a valued customer, I'll give you two bottles for the price of one. You charge me a fortune for this plant, Lorraine said. I refuse to pay extra for whatever fripperies you're trying to fob off on me. Your plant should be virus-resistant in the first place. I looked at Harriet again but even this insult to her handiwork didn't rouse her. If you leave your mother with us, I'll see what we can do. I gave Lorraine my best, mollifying smile, and soon found myself smiling at her ample rear as she stalked out of the showroom. Well, at least she hadn't demanded her money back. It would have been very difficult for us to comply. Harriet, my dear, I inquired. Oh, just spray it, she said in an irritated tone. So she'd been listening after all. I hoped her irritation was directed at the client's lack of aftercare, because I didn't like to consider the alternatives. As I sprayed the plant, Mrs Shuster's dozen faces all gave me a warty, disapproving glare. I'd just wheeled Mrs Shuster aside when a man walked into the showroom. He wore black jeans and a black T-shirt with the logo of a clenched fist. His facial hair resided somewhere in the limbo between weekend stubble and nascent beard. I didn't recognise him as an old customer, but I hoped he'd become a new one. Good morning, he said. I'd like to discuss a commission. Certainly, I replied. Harriet, could you come over? She grudgingly joined us on the cluster of easy chairs next to the showroom window, overlooking the gardens and the Devon countryside. I poured out three cups of coffee. This is Harriet Orband, who does all the design work, I said. I'm Travis Chase, her partner and business manager. My name's Dean Hudson, the new arrival said, and I'm with the Austerity Rebels, The protest group, I asked. He smiled, clearly mistaking my recognition for sympathy. Yeah, that's right. We've got a great project for you. It's part of our anti-austerity campaign. We want you to create the whole government in effigy. Then, on bonfire night, we'll burn them. Everyone will do it, all across the country. Britain will be united in protest, and the strength of feeling will show. I sense that this peroration might continue for some time. So I interrupted to say, The whole government is quite large, if you want all the cabinet ministers. "'We can give you a bulk discount, but I assume you realise this won't be cheap?' "'Unfortunately, we can't afford to pay you,' Hudson spread his arms wide. "'Times are hard. That's what we're protesting against,' he said, "'as though this was an incontrovertible argument in support of demanding a freebie. "'Times are hard indeed,' I replied sternly. "'Which is why we can't afford to work for nothing.' "'I stood up, dismissing him. "'Good day to you.' Hudson ignored this, and addressed himself to Harriet. "'Miss Ormond,' he said. We're great admirers of your work. That's why I've come. We know you could do a fantastic job of lampooning these politicians. You can make them ludicrous, make them hideous, make them poisonous. Anything at all, as long as they're flammable. Ah, negative qualities, said Harriet. It would be an intriguing challenge. There are lots of possibilities, apart from the obvious thorns, stings and bad smells. To represent someone as rapacious, we can use a carnivorous plant or a parasite. As soon as she said, we... "'I knew she was in danger of being persuaded. "'Harriet, darling.' "'She continued as if she hadn't heard me. "'Some plant's are nocturnal for those politicians "'who have something of the night about them. "'Others are weeds, or they're invasive, "'or they flourish in the shade.' "'Hudson gazed at her in fascination, "'or a flattering facsimile of it. "'This is great stuff,' he said. "'Carry on.' "'She was already carrying on. "'Then we come to the payload, "'the part of the plant that bears the resemblance.' If it's a root or a tuber, you have somebody sticking their head in the ground, refusing to see reality. Such is the reality that we can't afford to give away freebies, I interrupted. Think of it as advertising, Hudson said. We'd need lots of seeds to distribute across the country, so everyone can grow the government for their own bonfire. Each packet of seeds would have your logo on it, your accompanying brochure, your special offer for an introductory purchase. You'd reach so many people! and alienate half of our existing clients, I said, who voted for the party that you want to burn. Hudson raised his hands placatingly. I can see you're not convinced, but I won't press you. He looked at Harriet and said, I'll leave you my card in case you change your mind. There's plenty of time. Bonfire Night isn't till November. It could be a little side project to occupy any spare moments. I understand that paid work takes priority. The showroom door opened and a woman walked in with a terrier on a long leash. The dog scurried towards us, yapping madly, jumping up onto our legs. I suppressed a smile as it left muddy paw prints on Hudson's pristine jeans. Down, Sprocket, cooed the owner. Oh, you're so naughty, aren't you? Aren't you naughty? Yes, you are. Get down! Hudson hurried to the door, spluttering his farewells. Welcome to Ormond and Chase, I said to the woman, mentally sizing up her clothes and jewellery to figure out her price range. "'I'd like to commission one of your plant portraits,' she said. "'Can you do dogs?' "'Of course we can do dogs. "'We can do them in Dogwood, if you like.' "'I turned to Harriet. "'Can't we, dear?' "'Harriet looked at the Manic Terrier, then back at me, "'her face devoid of expression. "'Yes, I suppose we can.' "'She put Hudson's business card into her pocket. "'When I first met Harriet, she was an administrator by day "'and an artist by night.' She tinkered with plants and grew strange little chimeras, toothwort that looked like fingers, dandelions with smiling faces. I offered to sell a few for her. Didn't expect to make any money, but I wanted an excuse to see her again. I was already charmed by her earnestness, though she was equally serious when discussing pomonics or ice cream flavours. She didn't have the irony gene that protects people from having to care about anything. In those days, her signature colour was turquoise. She wore bright nail varnish, and her earrings had tiny dangling gemstones like captive specks of sky. Sometimes she would dye a turquoise streak into her dark hair. I had no sense of personal style. I just wore whatever seemed least likely to scare off customers. But Harriet took me round charity shops and showed me all the old fashions, preserved like strata, and she picked out shirts for me that actually had more than one colour in them. The customers didn't seem to mind. After all, we didn't sell paper clips; We sold botanical art. "'Our looks was individual as our artworks. "'By then I dropped my other products to concentrate on Harriet's Pomonics, "'and she'd gleefully abandoned her day job. "'We became Ormond and Chase, partners in business and in life. "'As the orders rolled in, "'I ploughed the money into more land for gardens and greenhouses. "'In retrospect, after seeing the Demo Day goods in all those charity shops, "'I should have realised that no fashion lasts forever.' Strolling through the grounds after a long day updating the ONC website, I encountered a forest of prickly cacti with bulbous heads just beginning to develop faces. I was accustomed to the way the gardens changed each week. Accelerated growth is an essential facet of Pomonics alongside grafts and splices. But I immediately knew that the cacti weren't on our slim list of current commissions. And our recent orders were conspicuous by their absence. Where was the dog, Samson Rex Sprocket? Where was Mr Shuster, the companion to Mrs Shuster, that I'd finally persuaded Lorraine to buy? I searched the nurseries until I found Harriet in one of the greenhouses, smiling as she peered at a batch of seedlings and compared them to the projections on her laptop screen. I glanced at the seedlings, which were too young to show distinctive features. What are these? I asked, trying to make it sound like a neutral question. Hi, Travis. These are the Prime Minister. I've been fine-tuning him for a while, but I think this is the final version. He destroys everything he touches. Before I could reply, I suddenly felt queasy and clutched my stomach. I've given the plant a subtle odour that creates a sense of disgust, Harriet said. Whenever people look at him, they want to vomit. She looked delighted, more enthused than I'd seen her for a long time. I wanted to congratulate her and leave her to get on with it, yet I'd seen the latest P&L figures. They were scary, and if we didn't deliver the orders we'd taken, they would become even scarier. Harriet, I hate nagging you, but we're running a business here. We need to concentrate on our paying clients. She sighed. (sighs) Believe me, I hate being nagged even more than you hate nagging me. So why don't we just stop doing it? Because I've seen the numbers. We're in a tough situation. Well, doesn't that prove their point? She demanded. Whose point? I asked, frustrated that we'd drifted so far apart I didn't even know what she was talking about. The austerity rebels! Our business is struggling because the economy is struggling! She pointed to the seedlings. It's his fault! Harriet rarely took much interest in politics. Why was she so enthusiastic about this commission? Has she really become convinced that everything could be blamed on the government? I don't think it's the politicians' fault. They're just scapegoats. There's always been an economic cycle. I paused, searching for an analogy that might convince a gardener. It's like the turn of the season's. "'Winter always arrives. Sometimes it's mild, sometimes it's devastating. "'Yet it doesn't last forever. Spring is round the corner. "'The green shoots of recovery will soon appear.' I tried to sound upbeat. She frowned. "'Scapegoats? But if it's not their fault, then whose fault is it?' "'Everyone's,' I said. "'When times are good, people overextend themselves and borrow too much money. "'They make risky investments because they're too optimistic.' I waved my hand. "'pointing to the gardens outside the greenhouse's glass walls. "'I bought all this land because, at the time, our business was doing well, "'and I thought that would continue.' "'Quickly skating past my own misjudgment, I went on. "'But it wasn't just that. "'I wanted to make you happy. "'I wanted to give you all these gardens and orchards "'so that you had everything you could possibly need. "'Yet you've lost enthusiasm. "'You don't like taking commissions any more.' "'I tried not to sound like I was blaming her, But inside I was thinking, "'Why are you so ungrateful? "'I give you everything you wanted, "'and you're screwing it up.' Harriet shook her head. "'It used to be art. "'Now it's just a production line. "'People keep requesting commissions, "'and they all want the same things. "'It's always their relatives or their pets. "'They want the same few plants, "'roses or tulips or dogwood. "'They all want to be beautiful and colourful "'in exactly the same ways. "'Never asked to be spiky or ugly. "'No one wants to be a wallflower.' And these politicians are the opposite of all that, I said, looking at the seedlings. Negative qualities. Thorns and bristles, spines and thistles. Exactly, she cried. I've never had the chance to do this before. I've been looking for something different, and here it is. Unleash the horrors. It's a shame that no one's paying us, I said. Harriet shrugged. It's a shame that everything boils down to money. Indeed, I sighed. Still, let's try to make the best of it. If you've already done the work anyway, maybe we should put these on sale. I wasn't optimistic that many people would want to buy vegetable politicians. Yet any income would be better than none. I'm sure you can sell them. You're so good at the business side, Harriet smiled at me. You'd best plan for a whole range. There's lots of cabinet ministers and they're all just as evil. Hey, calm down, I said, alarmed at the prospect of yet more time being wasted on this. We can't sell politicians that no one's heard of. Just stick to the well-known ones. And we still need to fulfil our existing commissions, you know, from the clients who are actually paying us money. Yes, yes, she said distractedly, her attention drifting back to the baleful seedlings. These politicians might or might not have wrecked the economy. They were certainly wrecking our relationship. Prime Minister really did destroy everything he touched. In truth, our relationship had been floundering for some time. It's hard to be someone's lover, and also their business manager. you nagging them by day, they don't want to snuggle up to you at night. Put like that, it sounds simple. Stop nagging. I'd contemplated this, wondering what would happen if I stopped worrying about commissions and simply let Harriet indulge herself in whatever permonic extravagances she fancied. I wanted to do this. I wanted to return to the old days. We were happy and carefree. But I couldn't convince myself it would work. Can't pay bills with joie de vivre. We just needed to struggle through this rough patch. If we could survive the downturn and keep paying off our loans, then eventually we'd have more freedom. I kept trying to tell Harriet this, holding out the prospect of sunnier times ahead. She tuned me out. She wanted to spend every day doing exactly as she pleased. Not some time in the future, but right now. No wonder we are in a recession, I thought. It was pure self-indulgence. If everyone would only knuckle down and try a little harder... I played my own part, striving to boost sales of our existing range and drum up new business. I held an open day for parents to bring their children. We had a few pop stars and sports heroes that Harriet had created in more enthusiastic days. Hey kids, if you like Dr Harmonics, why not grow them in your back garden? Be the envy of all your friends! Seeing children wandering around the orchard gave me an idea. Even nowadays, kids still love gathering horse chestnuts to play conkers. They thread the conkers onto shoelaces and bash them against each other, in contests with as much rivalry and school as boxing bouts. What if they had personalised conkers, shaped like their own heads, so they could enjoy smashing each other to bits? I mentioned this to Harriet with a lukewarm reception. She was busy working on the politicians, because we needed to start selling seeds soon to let people grow them for bonfire night. Dean Hudson visited for several discussions about how best to represent the government in botanical form, He told us the old joke about Margaret Thatcher going out to dinner with members of her cabinet. The waiter requested her order, and she said, Steak! Then the waiter asked, What about the vegetables? Thatcher looked round the table at her cabinet and said, They'll have the same as me. Despite Hudson's attempts at ingratiating himself, and his continuing pleas for freebies, I remained firm. I insisted that we would sell the seeds rather than give them away. He called me a cold-hearted capitalist at which I smiled and thanked him. He grimaced, saying that the austerity rebels would try to raise money from donations to buy packets for distribution. I offered him a discount for bulk purchases. In May, we finished developing the seeds and launched them onto the market. Harriet nodded approvingly when I showed her the packages lure with illustrations and disclaimers. Warning! Politicians are poisonous! Handle with care! Flammable! Orders began trickling in. A few of our clients called to complain that the product was in bad taste. I reassured them that it didn't reflect our political views. We just needed the money. To my surprise and displeasure, Hudson kept visiting, even though the seeds were finished and released. He spent long hours with Harriet in the garden. Was he distracting her with more ideas for bizarre products? Or was he enticing Harriet away from me? That summer, politicians were everywhere. They sprouted on waste ground, on roadside verges, on construction sites where work had halted due to the weak economy. Guerrilla gardeners planted them mischievously in parks and woodlands. They rampaged across the moors. And they grew. Aided by accelerants, they swelled like monstrous triffids. Some were cacti, others were brambles with loathsome fruit. They smothered the landscape, a blight across the whole of Britain. Driving from Devon to London one day, I lost count of how many I saw in hedges by the road, in the middle of roundabouts, even in municipal hanging baskets. The ivy-based environment secretary grew all over buildings, every leaf looking like his smug, fat face. Business was booming. We'd sold far more seeds than I'd anticipated. Yet, I disliked the effect on the countryside. They withered everything around them. You could spot them in a hedgerow by the dieback on either side. I'd assumed that people would grow them in their own gardens, But no-one wanted ugly, toxic things in their own backyards. They preferred the politicians to ravage elsewhere. But everyone's elsewhere is someone's here. When Hudson arrived for another of his mysterious visits, I confronted him. Why are there so many of these things in the countryside? He tilted his head, acknowledging the point. I know it's extreme, but it's agit-prop. It needs to be extreme to get people's attention and it's a perfect illustration of what the government is doing to the country. This is waking people up! Originally, you said you were just planning a bonfire, I reminded him. I could understand releasing a few plants as some kind of one-off stunt, but these things are everywhere. Why do they have to be so toxic? They could have gone on bonfires without needing to be poisonous. Harriet frowned at me. It's only a mild herbicide, nothing deadly. They have to be poisonous to make it meaningful. If they were just caricatures, like cartoons in a newspaper then it wouldn't achieve anything. You know what happens when cartoonists are as nasty and satirical as possible? The politicians buy the original cartoons and get them framed to hang on the wall. We need a harder edge than that. I don't want any cabinet ministers putting my plants on their desks in the Ministry of Austerity. I want this to really hurt. As she spoke, Hudson kept nodding like a teacher proud of his pupil. Harriet had never been interested in politics, and now she knew that politicians bought satirical cartoons of themselves. She'd changed. Still, Harriet was enjoying her work, almost like the old days, and the unexpected success of the politician seeds had made Almond and Chase profitable again. I should be happy. Shouldn't I? Our new line of merchandise attracted some unsavoury clients. One man came in and asked me to put his head onto the most vigorous and invasive plant we could create He wanted to introduce it into his ex-girlfriend's garden. I rebuffed him. He said, Well, it's a bit late for you to develop scruples, isn't it? What do you mean? I asked. Haven't you heard? It was just on the radio on a part of the car. One of your plants has nearly killed someone. At first I thought he was simply being unpleasant because I'd refused his custom. But after I got rid of him, I went online to check the news. It was true. A young child had almost died after putting a politician in her mouth. She was seriously ill. I shuddered. For a few seconds I stood blankly, unable to think, horrified by what had happened. Then I picked up my phone. It had been in silent mode during client consultations. I saw that a dozen people had tried to call me in the past ten minutes, journalists probably, perhaps the police. Looking outside, I saw cars arriving. After hastily consulting a lawyer I learned that we probably had no legal liability as we'd merely sold some seeds. The packaging clearly warned that the adult plant was poisonous and we hadn't ourselves grown the offending plant. Nevertheless, our reputation plummeted. Income from selling the seeds evaporated and we had nothing to replace it. The bad publicity had ruined our business with many of our former clients boycotting us. I barely bothered to keep the showroom open. Everything was in limbo. The child's sick condition, blighted by politicians, seemed to represent a sick Britain. Dean Hudson appeared on TV to criticise the government and call for a vote of no confidence in the Prime Minister. Harriet moped around, feeling guilty. "'It shouldn't have happened,' she said. "'The foul smell ought to have put her off eating the plant, and they weren't supposed to be deadly to humans. Maybe there was a bad batch of seeds. Or maybe someone interfered with them,' I said. "'We don't know for sure that it was our fault.' Right now, all we can do is help get rid of the things. I joined a local task force going into the countryside to root out all the dangerous politicians. We visited Dartmoor, where the invasive plants towered over the heather and bracken. The conservationists handed out tools, gloves and nose plugs. We had a safety briefing. Remember to wear protective clothing whenever you approach a politician. Everyone started hacking away. It was excellent exercise. We tore the politicians apart and scythed off their heads. Then we built a fire to dispose of the debris. The cabinet minister's faces contorted and blackened as the flames consumed them. The cleansing smoke dispersed the stench of corruption. While the government burned, we sat around drinking tea. I received a few unfriendly glances and harsh words, to which I responded by explaining that I'd never intended our plants to escape into the wild, But overall, the reaction was less hostile than I'd expected. To my surprise, people were enjoying themselves. Coming out to fight the politicians had brought the community together. The same thing was happening all across the country. Bands of public-spirited volunteers had united to eradicate the parasites blighting the land. It was the big society in action. And as we swept away the plague of politicians, the sick child began to recover. News bulletin showed her eating a birthday cake, playing with kittens, and visiting a local park that had been freshly cleansed of suspect vegetation. It was a neat metaphor. Suspiciously neat. "'Looks like a set-up to me,' I said to Hudson. "'How convenient for you, having a photogenic little girl poisoned by those caricature politicians.' "'That's disgusting,' he said. "'Do you really think we'd poison a child?' "'No, but I reckon you'd exaggerate it. "'How ill was that girl, really?' Harriet's plants were nowhere near lethal to humans. I turned to Harriet. Isn't that right? With a tense, pursed expression, she nodded. It must have been a mutation, Hudson said. Must it? I inquired. Funny how the plant that poisoned her was so quickly destroyed before anyone could analyse it. I had no proof of my insinuations, but I strove to cast doubt in Harriet's mind, hoping that she would prefer to blame someone else's conspiracy rather than her own incompetence. I wanted her to break free of Hudson's influence, which had caused us so much trouble over the past few months. Don't blame me, said Hudson. I wasn't there. I heard about it on the news, the same as everyone else. He didn't seem very upset about it, Harriet said. Hudson whirled round. How dare you! I don't have to stand here and listen to this. No, you don't, I replied. Let me get the door for you. Over breakfast the next morning, I said to Harriet, "'We need a fresh start.' She nodded. "'Let's talk outside.' Harriet led me through the gardens until we reached an unkempt patch of scrub full of shoulder-high saplings and spiky gorse bushes. The gorse sheltered us from the autumn breeze, its bright yellow blossom a welcome splash of colour. Mossy rocks offered themselves as benches. I checked for dampness, then settled myself down. Harriet sat opposite me. "'If we're going to have any kind of a business—' "'We need to start again,' I said. "'And it's got to be something you're happy with. "'Forget all the old commissions. "'What would you like to work on?' "'Harriet smiled. "'I'm so glad to hear you say that,' she said. "'I'm tired of trying to make plants represent people. "'It was a fad. "'We took it as far as it could go. "'Now we need to move on.' "'Do you have anything in mind?' I asked. "'Yes, there is something. "'I got the idea from Dean Hudson.' "'Seeing my scowl, she hastily continued, "'But I've changed it! "'You remember how he kept visiting us? "'He had another idea for customised plants. "'I didn't tell you about it "'because I knew you were already unhappy about the politicians, "'and I had problems with his idea anyway.' "'My expression brightened. "'I was relieved to hear that Hudson "'had simply been trying to get more plants "'rather than making moves on Harriet herself. "'Assuming she was telling the truth, of course. "'But I didn't doubt her. "'As we sat in the gardens that we'd bought together... All our recent troubles began to seem like obstacles that were already behind us. We would make a fresh start, recapturing the spirits of when we first fell in love, with grand emotions and grand ambitions. Harriet went on, "'I made the politicians smell bad so people would be disgusted with them. But he wondered how far we could go with that. There's all sorts of pheromones which affect behaviour. He wanted to make a plant with a truly revolting smell, one that would inspire a revolution.' I laughed. (laughs) You mean some kind of scent to make people go wild? Yes, except I thought it wouldn't be very ethical to influence people surreptitiously, so I was trying to think of ways around that. I knew how Harriet's mind worked, and what conclusions she would reach. You'd have to be honest about the effect you wanted. Exactly, she said. I wondered what sorts of feelings could be evoked, and how to codify them. Then I realised that the answer already existed. The language of flowers! I frowned. What's that? It's a tradition dating back to Victorian times, Harriet explained. Every flower has its own meaning. Take this gorse, for example. She pointed to the vivid yellow blooms. You know what they say about gorse? I knew that much, at least. You don't live with a garden without picking up a few country sayings. When the gorse is in flower, it's kissing season. It's a rural joke, because some species of gorse is always in flower somewhere. So gorse means love forever and there's lots of other plants, all with their own meanings. Can you really create pheromones for all those meanings? I asked. Some of them, she said, in a subtle way. It's not mind control. It's just a little nudge, a way of communicating feelings. That's amazing. What did Hudson say about it? I told him that the flower for resistance is tansy, so he wanted to put the scent into everything, including all the politician seeds, and make it as strong as possible. She sighed. I turned him down-he was rather angry is there a flower for that i asked jokingly petunia she replied grinning there's one for everything i exclaimed my mind raced as i considered the commercial possibilities and wondered how many pheromone enhanced flowers we could sell yet i didn't want to pressure harriet into anything i'd learned the futility of that is this what you really want to work on i asked harriet nodded enthusiastically "'There's so many flowers to play around with. "'It's completely different from what I was doing before. "'And when you've had enough of it, we'll stop,' I promised. "'Can I get that in writing?' she asked, a mischievous glint in her eye. "'Hey, if I knew which flower represented sincerity, "'I'd pluck one right now for you.' "'She glanced around. "'Well, you were supposed to ask what these other plants mean, "'apart from the gorse.' "'I raised my hand. "'Please, miss, what do these other plants mean, "'apart from the gorse?' Harriet reached to the nearest sapling and pulled off a yellowing leaf with a pointed end. She gave me a challenging glance. Hazel, I said confidently. But what does that mean? She smiled and put her arm around me. Reconciliation.
2: There you go. There you go. Now, listen, a big thank you to Ian. Sorry, I was jumping ahead of myself there. Ian and Matt. Big thank you there, thank you so much. Listen, after the show ends, so after the music ends, right? Listen on. If you wanna listen if you wanna hear us talk and ramble about lost in space, I thought I'd mention a few and I forgot to mention at the top of the show there. So there might be I'm just gonna go for it. There might be spoilers. So if you haven't watched it, I haven't watched it all, so I'm only up to I think it's number four or number five. And I'm not gonna get into actual specifics of episodes. It's just to talk about my my feelings of the show. Do I like it? Do I do I not like it? Do I hate it? Hmm? If you wanna to listen to that, after mind you, after the thing there. So but what I'm gonna talk about now is Perion. Come on man, get over there and help out, man. It's fantastic. <laughs> Can you see I'm giddy high? I've finished work, my dear. Actually, Tuesday, what time is it now? Tuesday afternoon. Finished work, yes. So, until next week, just like to see Good night from
0: me. This presentation has been brought to you by the District of Wonders Network, dedicated to podcasting the finest genre fiction. You can learn more about the District of Wonders and their many literary productions at their website, www.districtofwonders.com. Thank you for listening. I don't get much. I've barely left the ground. I'm tuning in to your transmissions. I'm ruining, waiting to be found. And I'm building rockets. I'm pointing them to the moon. But the work is going slowly. It Won't get to you anytime soon. Star Moon
2: Now you've stayed here after the music. You have no one else to blame. Now listen, I'm, I've, I've warned you. There is spoilers. Listen, stop it. I know, I know it. I'm addictive. It's what they all say. <laughs> all the ladies, <laughs> some of the men. Stop it now, because it'll, it will. Because I, I might say something, and I don't mean to, but you know that, that's the thing. So stop it. Watch it. Lost in Space. It's on. It's on Netflix. There. Yeah, you can do it. You can do that in a couple of days, and come back and have a little chat. So Lost in Space premiered on Netflix, and to be honest, and this is like hands down, I have no idea about the original series, I've got nothing, you know what I mean, I've just seen images and clips from it, the family, obviously Lost in Space, a bit of a robot there, and a Dr. Smith, and that's it, that's as much, and I didn't want to kind of go and watch them and read up about it, I want to just kind of enjoy it for what, you know, like a modern TV science fiction show. And I started watching, well, I watched, I think this the trailer, you know, kind of comes on the telly before you know it. And I watched it twice. And what I seen of the trailer was, yep, I kind of love that. I love that. looks. You know, it looks stunning. And I didn't want to watch any more of it because I thought, right, you know what I mean, it kind of it starts to spoil it, you know what I mean? But they jump up on, on you before you even notice on, on Netflix. So I started watching it. And first impressions is... I like it I like it quite a lot there is for me there's a there's a huge and it's I I don't see this is the 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 trouble I've got are they trying to stick and I don't know this so if anyone knows you know the answer to this are they sticking to the original plot lines now I know they've got you know they're lost in space I I don't honestly know if others were there with them you know like I say this is like spoiler time there now because there's others there with them and I wasn't sure that was the case, and I, I, I don't know, if, if they're following it to, to the latter, do you know what I mean, then I can't really grumble, that's, you know, they're the, the going that way. If they're doing their own thing and they're just taking, you know, little pick pickets and snippets from it, I would, you know, I would have kind of changed a few things. Right, here's what I like. First off, the family. I like the family because it's a complicated Modern family, if that's one for a better description, you know, they've got issues, they've got issues right through, you know, they're not this kind of natural, I guess, natural born American family, you know, with, there they've got issues, they've got faults, they've got problems, and I like that, you know what I mean, that the husband and wife, they're, you know not getting on at all. He's, you know, we don't know the full history, but he's not there or I don't at the moment. You know, he hasn't been there for a long time. He he volunteered to go away on another mission. Do you know what I mean? Away from his family. The little have got issues as well, which I really think is great. The alien monster or the alien that befriends them is just fantastic. I think that is fun. That's probably one of the best robots I've seen in, in science fiction. And, the voice as well. You know what I mean? The voice is just fantastic. Just, It's just there to protect. But you're getting glimpses of how he got there, why he got there and the reasons why they're on this planet. You know what I mean? And they do look dark and, you know, very, you know, well, just brutal and horrible and suspicious. You know what I mean? And But the robot's there. The dad's wary of it. I like all that. What I'm not liking is this Dr. Smith. This is, again, it's, if this is the case where they're following the show and they're having to do it like that, like the original show, that's great. You know what I mean? That's, I kind of grumble about this, Dr. Smith. Obviously, that's what the character was in the old name. But this character is just, there's no reason why, you know, there might be some goal at the end, but there's nothing there at the moment. I'm, I'm, looking, I'm just looking there. There's dust on the computer. Oh, yeah, bloody hell, I'd get wrong for that. So there's no, you know, she's, you can understand that wanting to come away, you know, and again, spoiler alerts, yeah, stop listening, you know, you, you've you been warned there. Uh, but she did something to her sister to get on board this flight, to come away and to this start this new, what's sold to everybody who takes part in this adventure it's like a new life. Why does she want to keep on going on being a bitch, being nasty, and it's a female this time? There is no reason. She, and it's, like, she's doing it to everyone. Even the small child, who I'd say is about eight, nine-year-old. She's a bit sly, a bit, you know, devious. And it's like, there's no reason. And it's winding us up because there's no end goal. Just, like, enjoy it now. you you've, you've getting what you want. You know what I mean? The, the, the perfect scenario is here. You're on a planet that's, you know, green. You can see blue skies. What's the point of this all, this sneaking around being sly and nasty and hiding things and doing? And it's just... I can't understand it. You know, they've got bigger trouble just surviving on this planet because they've crashed land on a planet that's not not the one they're going to. They're going to Alpha Centuri, you know, and that was the kind of the, the, the Goldilocks planet. They've accidentally stumbled into this one, which seems to be like nowhere near on their radar scale maps. So that's what's kind of stopping us really enjoying it. Like I say, the family and the structure... Everything there is great, you know. I mean, you, I can't fault that one minute, and I love that when it's complicated, it's not, you know, just plain sale and they've got issues. And I love issues, you know, I love things that's just not right for people, and it's like a hardship. And it's, and there was a great scene, I'll say one of the best scenes, and it is life this, where the husband and wife were out on some, you know, remote location with the back sitting on the against the like a, a radar dish. And they were having a bottle of, you know, like a little drink of whiskey and they were just reminiscing and it was good. And for no reason, the you know, it changed and it became sour, this conversation, and they fell out. And that, hey, (laughs) that happens on a daily basis, man. (laughs) It's just that, I thought that was perfect. That was great writing and beautiful acting. Do you know what I mean? Because it just captured the moment of like, that's life. You know, it's not sitting down cuddling and... You can be fine and happy one minute. You say one wrong, (laughs) (laughs) I say one wrong word, one wrong word, and that's it. I'm getting a little bit too deep with myself there. There's a bit of life in reality. Yeah, just in one word I said, and that was it. She was off. But that's it. Do you know what I mean? That was, and that's to capture that. And you know what I mean? Because yeah, you can. Basically, science fiction—you sugarcoating all of it, you know, with the kind of guns and the and the the suits and the, everything like that. But the real issues are real issues we all have, you know. And that, I thought that was just a brilliant little clip glimpse in the way. But this Doctor Smith, just—it's pointless. It's pointless that whole scenario character being in the show, and the music when it's she, you know, when she's kind of done a little nasty little deed, the music goes over the top, and it's like, oh man. God's sake, man. Do you know what I mean? You desperately kind of survive. Get hit off this. You know, there's no need, there's no reason for it to do it. What I didn't like, mind you, as well, I'm thinking, I was thinking that it looked stunning. And I'm glad now because when they first crashed, they crashed on, kind of high in the mountains, in these glacier mountains. And the snow just looked polystyrene. Do you know what I mean? And yet, how do you do that, you know, in a kind of film scenario, TV show? How do you, without going to the the actual, you know, the Alps or something like that and doing the whole thing real. It just looked fake. You know, the, those, you know, the, the, whoosh, you can blow it and it's a wear powder. It just looked fake. But we shop really left that that side of it, you know, and went down, you know. And it is, some of the, you know, the, the special effects are just fantastic. Excellent. Oh, man. You know what I mean? Really enjoying it. So... Apart from, and it's a big thing for me, it's a big hurdle, this Dr. Smith, and I'm guessing there was, you know, this Dr. Smith was there in the first season to, of the first original show that cause angst and that, and it's just no reason, you know, there's no reason at all why she is, what, why she is, do you know what I mean? Yeah, she might have been dealt a, like a hard card or a, a difficult card in a, in a former life, but... You'd think you would stop that. You know, There was a little example where they're caught out in a storm. Those three characters, one of them was this Dr. Smith, caught out in the storm. And they're barely surviving because of this storm. She has to kind of somehow plot to get away. Why get away from them? To save herself. Do you know what I mean? You could have quite easily saved the three of them. And it was just like, eh. And you know, the three survive, and it's just like, there was no need for it. Do you know what I mean? There's no need to kind of write this in and just get rid of that. To be quite honest. Obviously you kind of do, but that's my thought. I really like the show. Do you know what I mean? I like the complex, you know, issues, everything they've got. I'm, I'm itching to find out properly how they got here and why the things got here and why it was all like that. But that one stumbling block is, is kind of knocking it down from a, say, a good nine to a probably a seven, you know, on my kind of one to ten ratings, maybe a six and three quarters, something like that. This one issue is really kind of getting... And the more I'm watching, the more she's in the show, it's just like it's winding us up. You know what I mean? I've got to live with it, eh? you got to live with it. So that's it. So if you've just come on this and you've watched it and you've listened and you're thinking, Tony, you've just told us all... I haven't seen the end, so I don't know the end. So let us know what you think. You know what I mean? Is it something... I mean, I oh, man, Westworld's coming. Oh Man, now that... Oh, that was just like, for me, grown up science fiction. Do you know what I mean? It was adult science fiction. It was. Excuse the French, you're fucking stunning, man. Hey, it was. It was just complex. Do you know what I mean? It was just. What? eh, Where? Who? He's. Oh, it was just. And that's coming out again. And I've tried it, you know, because Netflix just bangs on the trailer. I'll try to watch it, you know, and it's just. Looks amazing, but I've seen it once the trailer, and this was almost like a teaser trailer where it just had this. It just looked like a bull with a black background running in slow motion. Has anyone seen it? Just running in slow motion, and then it pans out the cat and it's going dead slow, and it's like all like gothic, hypnotic music, sting, piano players in the background, and then you realize the bull part of its, you know, frame the kind of the back end of the frame and that I mean, all taken away and it's metal and it's hinges and everything, but it's still in this kind of motion galloping, this bull. And then isn't there some sort of Navy SEAL, SES soldier, all in black, big machine gun kind of thing, and it just hits him, you know, and it's slow motion, him going, oh, but what I liked about Westworld was just, you kept guessing, you were just, it was almost like, Taking an an exam every every night, do you know what I mean? Every time you watched it, I just with Westworld, I don't want to gulf it. You know, I don't, I don't oh no, I just want to savour it, it's like a it's like a really strong cheese. <laughs> you know what I mean? I did it, home. Oh, "Hey, that's enough for me. I've had me fail because it was just." And I'll rewatch. Probably I'll do an episode, then I'll rewatch it. Do you know what I mean? Because I didn't see on Westworld, I didn't see anything coming. Do you know what I mean? It got me, caught me out all over the place, and I just thought. Excellent acting in that one. So I'm looking forward to that. That's in a few days' time. So, here, man, I've waffled on here. By God, have I not? So, let us know. Up oh, there goes the clapping head of the chair there. Let us know what you think. Do you like, you know, Lost in Space? Did you, are, you, are you enjoying it? Or what, what do you think? Is it as good as Red Dwarf? That's probably one of the main questions we need to, you know, answer. I've said, already said it, so I'll say it again. Until next week, look after yourselves.